So I defeated one of the uh, most terrifying things of being a semi-handicapped person and speaking. I got on stage. So here I am. Now, now, um, if I fall over, which might happen, Holy Spirit, okay? That's, that's what happened. That's why we're here. That's why. Okay, so good morning, everyone. Good morning, yes. Um, I'm going to let you, uh, let the coffee kind of kick in a little bit, and we'll give it another chance. Good morning, everyone. Good morning. There we go. This is great. Well, my name is Colin Ballou, and I am on the speaking and teaching team here at Fellowship Highcrest. It's been so awesome um, and such an awesome experience getting to see the variety of gifts in the teaching and the speaking that's been going up here uh, the last couple months or so, right? Amen. Amen. Yeah. And so I'm really humbled today to be bringing you um, this part of Galatians that I've been working on and pressing through. And it's so exciting because we get to continue this theme of grace laid out by Paul. And so as I speak today, you'll notice the page numbers associated with the scripture that's on the screen. Uh, So these page numbers, they coincide with these big blue Bibles. Okay. If you don't have a Bible, uh, then we just want to uh, offer this up as a gift to you. Uh, if you don't have a Bible that's easy for you to read, then we want to offer this up as a gift to you. If you know someone who's in need of a Bible that uh, they don't either have one or they need one that's easy to read, we offer this up as a gift for uh, from the both of us. And then two, if you don't see the Bible um, and your seat is particularly uncomfortable, it's probably underneath you. Okay? Okay. Also, we do have Spanish Bibles available. So if you um, are more comfortable reading the word in Spanish, or if you just rather follow along uh, in God's word in Spanish, we have those available for you too. Um, so you just raise your hand. One of our ushers will happily come down and bring that to you. Okay. So let's get started in prayer, having a little chat with our Heavenly Father. God, we submit to you this morning. We lay down all thoughts of being self-sufficient. And we come to you with open arms and humility. Father, I pray that you would speak through me that any harmful words or phrases that come out of my mouth, that they would just pass over these people and that your word and your spirit would move in a powerful way. We thank you and we love you. Amen. Amen. Okay, well, some of you may not know me, or know my name, and that's fine. But I'm going to guess that most of you have seen me kind of hobbling around here the past couple Sundays, maybe a thousand or so, it seems like. Well, so here's what I was doing. I was playing one of my favorite uh, games here, which just so happens to be paintball, and I injured myself. Um, Unfortunately, I was not doing anything cool. Okay, I wasn't jumping off a structure. I wasn't diving into a creek. Um, I was just running from obstacle to obstacle. My leg gave out. I did the hardest face plant that I've ever done in my life. Yeah. And with a bloody lip and a severely bruised ego, I had to have two complete strangers come out onto the field, grab me by my shoulders, and haul me off. And so I get to spend the rest of the day in the staging area, in pain, sitting on the ground, not knowing what I'm going to do. So the next day, which just so happened to be Easter Sunday, uh, I was told uh, that I pulled my hamstring by some folks at the uh, express care. Uh, However, the pain stayed, and you'll figure out why. 
okay? I uh, brought my disgustingly swollen knee to get MRI'd, and the doctor was really surprised at what he'd found. So I had torn the PCL, which is the ligament in the back of your leg, okay? I had fractured my tibia, which is one of your leg bones down here, lengthwise. (laughs) It ain't over yet. And I had ruptured my meniscus, which is the padding in between your knee. Okay? Torn hamstring, right? I must have looked real tough. Okay? Um, So I got scheduled to be under the knife. uh, And afterwards, I was strapped to this lovely, soon-to-be stinky, full-leg brace that I'm going to just, for all sakes and purposes, we'll call it Alcatraz, okay? And so... After that, for a a short period of time, I was relegated to my nice little chair in my living room. And you think that that would be just fantastic, right? You don't have to do any chores, okay? You don't have to clean the toilets. You don't have to pick up the kids' toys. You don't have to cook. You don't have to clean. You don't have to do any of that. And you'd be right for about the period of a week, okay? And so after that short period of time, the reality set in that I would be affixed to this brace for what I thought was nearly three months, but it's going to end up being more six or nine. And then the lies and the darkness came, right? The feelings of depression. I am never going to get out of this thing. The feelings of inadequacy. What good am I? What good am I? The feelings of fear. This injury is it's not going to heal. The feeling of weakness, right? These legs, they were strong and powerful, and now they're all shriveled up and lame, right? Um, And then doubt. The surgery wasn't going to fix anything because guess what? It's not guaranteed to. You see, these painful emotions, they're part of an outcome of the battle that's raging inside of me, a spiritual battle that emerged out of the circumstances I was in. I knew biblical truth, right? I knew what the Bible said, but I also face the reality that there's something sinister in the darkness and the lies in my mind. And although the situation I was in, it, it maybe seemed small by many, it was really difficult and it was very real. We all have these types of experiences. We all feel the pull of the flesh. And we all feel the pull of the spirit. And man, it's really hard. However, we're given a way to fight these struggles, a way to suffer while still revealing and showing a glimpse of Jesus and his kingdom. That's right. Today, we're going to see what it looks like to fight our battles well. We're going to resume our journey through Galatians, and we get the opportunity to, again, continue to reveal this theme of grace as written by Paul. Specifically, we're going to be taking a look at Galatians 5, 16 through 62, which is starting on page 703 of those big blue Bibles. Check under your seat. In this series of verses, we're going to discover just the reality of these spiritual battles, the effects of our choices, and the importance of community in the fight. A battle that I fought recently, that I, I wrestle with now, and that we all wrestle with daily. What we're going to get the opportunity to take a look at today is what's really real. So what's real? Well, the first piece is that the battle's real, right? This is not a fake thing that's going on here, and it's not a fake thing that's going on in you. One of the hardest parts in my leg brace battle is having to sit still. Now, why I don't deem myself a marathon runner, 
because I'm not. Um, I was still a pretty active guy. Okay, and let me tell you from experience that no matter how non-active you may think that you are, uh, sitting down for multiple weeks in complete stillness, it will break you down. It will break you down. There's this stillness, and in this stillness, there's this quiet, and in this quiet, you get the opportunity to be the part of two conversations. The first being the pull of the flesh, and the second being the tug of the spirit. So now we're going to take a look at Galatians 5, 16 through 18, where Paul highlights the reality of this spiritual battle in a believer's life. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. When you won't be then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are opposite of what our sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting with each other. So you're not free to carry out your good intentions. But when you're directed by the Spirit, you're not under the obligation to the law of Moses. We see in these verses, Paul is speaking to the believers in Galatia about their sinful nature. He gives proper weight to the effect that our flesh has in our lives. And he says in verse 16 that our sinful nature, it's, it's like a craving thing, right? Our sinful nature, it's not, it's not shoving us along. It's not nudging us. It's not suggesting. It's saying, no, you, you crave doing these things. You crave doing these things. After that, Paul goes on to make a reality of the struggle between flesh and spirit very clear. And we move on to the beginning of verse 17. We see the desires of the flesh and the spirit, they're completely opposite, right? There's polarity. The desires of the flesh, they're way over here. The desires of the spirit, they're way over here. There's no gray area, right? One side or the other. Continuing with verse 17, Paul says that there's two forces battling within us, and this is extremely important to grasp onto. These battles, this stuff is happening all of the time. Or another way to put it, it's happening with every move you make (laughs) and every breath that you take. (laughs) There's hope though, right? There's hope. Because, I know, I thought that was hilarious too. <laughs> because we can also see in these verses that Paul doesn't just tell the Galatians there's a struggle and, oh, that's too bad, deal with it. Right? He says in a literary uh, wordsmith sandwich, at the beginning and the end of these verses, he, he gives us a little helpful nugget on how to push against these struggles. He says that walking with the Spirit is key. Walking with the Spirit is key. So let me say that again, walking in the spirit, or actually really closer to the Greek translation, moving forward in the spirit, that's paramount. That's important to fighting the pull of the flesh. And that every choice you get, the opportunity to make, you also get the opportunity to make a Holy Spirit check. Should I buy this thing? Let me check. Should I eat this food? Let me check. This one's big. Should I say these words? Let me check. The rhythm of prayer and communication with our Heavenly Father, not just speaking, but listening, is key to this fight. We all have struggles, and they're really very real. You can feel the pull of the flesh, and if you're a believer, you can feel the conviction of the Spirit. Listening to that voice of grace, that conviction is so important. 
when you're fighting the flesh. You can't just win by doing good. It's hard. Or following the law, as Paul outlines in his letter to his Romans. For while we were living in the flesh, our sinful passions aroused by the law were at work in our members to bear fruit for death. But now we are released from the law, having died to that which held us captive, so that we can serve in the new way of the spirit and not the old way of the written code. We've made it clear, right? This battle's going on. We win the battle by moving forward in the spirit. And if not, there's consequences. What's the outcome? What are the results of following the spirit? And what are the results of following the flesh? First, we have to realize that there are outcomes. There is an effect, right? And so the results, those are real. So as I I sat in my chair, right, with this bad boy here, uh, alone and in pain, I had a choice to make, a decision regarding how I was going to react to my situation. On one hand, I could sit in the darkness and let the lies consume me, or on the other hand, I could look towards the light. Each one of these choices had outcomes and consequences that affected the people around me. So let's see how Paul outlines the results of flesh-led choices compared to the choices that we make as we walk forward in the Spirit. Galatians 5.19. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalry, dissension, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orages, and the things of the like. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law, and, there, and those who, pra- or who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh and its passions and desires. And so we can see Paul talks about what we leave in the wake of our choices. He outlines the rotten fruit of the spirit and also the sweet fruit of the, or rotten fruit of the flesh. Oh my gosh. And the sweet, and the sweet fruit of the spirit. That'd be a bad flip flop. Um, He says that the Galatians in verses 5, 19 through 21, listen, the choices you want to make, they're completely evident to those around you, right? You don't have to explain to the folks how your actions are impacting everyone in a negative way. You just don't have to. Paul goes as far as to say that those who walk steadily in the flesh, they won't inherit the kingdom of God. And, And so that being said, we need to make something very, very clear. Paul isn't saying if you stumble, you're not saved. Okay? He isn't saying that if you mess up, there isn't any grace. He's speaking to the fact that if you're constantly seeking the flesh without trying to turn away, then you probably don't know the full extent of grace. Listen, I was... (laughs) I was a terrible person to be around the first month after my surgery. Terrible. I was depressed, and so my family received my disengagement and avoidance. I felt weak, so they got put down so they would be on my level. I was angry, and so they received the frustration that I felt. I was loud, and I attempted to be intimidating to my kids by, like, wobbling loudly after them, you know? 
And so I guess we can all imagine how effective that was. Um, These are all fruits of the flesh. We're not immune. And like Paul says, they were completely evident. I knew that staying in that place, though, it wasn't an option. It wasn't the end for me, and it's not the end for you. Hallelujah. Let's keep going with the verses 5, 22 through 23 as we see the fruit of the Spirit, the sweet fruit, the edifying fruit, the fruits that that is rooted in Jesus and the fruit that's rooted in grace. This is the fruit that causes us to show glimpses of the kingdom of God to those who receive it. So much so that Paul wraps up verse 23 by saying there's no law against these things because they're so beautiful. There's no restraint put on us to do these things because this fruit, it oozes grace. There's nothing to stop you from doing these things except your own flesh. You see, God won in my situation. Imagine that. I sat in my chair, feeling sorry for myself. I was slowly being broken down until there was none of me left. And God said, are you done yet? (laughs) Are you done sulking? Are you done throwing your tantrum? Are you done with the lies? Because I never left. I've been sitting here watching, waiting with my arms wide open, knowing that you'd come to them eventually, right? I was given the opportunity to seek the Spirit's guidance, and I was given the opportunity to choose grace and to see grace in my life. I was given the opportunity to show love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. I was given the opportunity to spread the kingdom once again. The results of our choices are very real. So how do you see this playing out in your life? How do you see the, the flesh leaving this wake of destruction? Or how do you see the spirit spreading the kingdom in your life? Or do you see either one? You may not be in my situation, necessarily. You may feel like, man, I'm still leaving behind destruction. I know that I'm walking in the flesh. You may be saying, how do I shift into walking with the Spirit? How do I seek the Spirit continually? How do I choose grace in my struggles? Well, the huge part of the answer is to get in community and realize that the church is real. You see, the community that God placed me in, it reassured me that I wasn't alone in this situation. My rooted group, they gave me a space to speak honestly about my pain and the issues that I was having. They prayed for me. They still pray for me that I would see God in my situation. These people offered their time and their talents to help me in this time of limitation. My friends, they pointed me to Jesus. When I was busy doing this, looking at myself, they lifted my chin up. They said, hey, man, this isn't the end. This isn't the end. At the end of this, you get everlasting joy, right? You get everlasting rest, and you get everlasting worship for your king. My family took my house under their wing. They cleaned for us, which they could still do if they wanted to. They cooked for us. They cared for my children when I couldn't walk. And it was through all of these people's reflections of the grace of God that I realized I had no choice but to choose humility. I had to swallow any pride or anger I had, and I had to put myself aside and ask for help. Help from those that are closest to me. We see that Paul talk, uh, we see Paul talk about this in his next section of Galatians, 524 through 6.2. 
And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. And if we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, though, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. Paul is giving the church in Galatia hope. In verse 24, he speaks to the flesh being crucified for the followers of Jesus. And so we have hope. In verses 25 through 26, Paul talks about humility, which is possible while keeping in step with the Spirit. And so we have hope. Finally, Paul says in verse 6-2, to bear one another's burdens. We fight battles together. We suffer together. We grieve together. And so we have hope. He encourages the church in Galatia to truly be the body of Christ, and we're encouraged to do the same. Hi, Chris. The conflict in us, it can be so hard, but you're not alone. You have the church. You have this community of like-minded believers who will fight with you, and sometimes they'll fight for you. So take a look around, High Crest. You see these people? They are your family. They'll work hard for you, like Paul did for those around him in Acts 20.35. In all things I have shown you that by working hard, In this way, we must help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus. How he himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. And as we fight this daily battle with one another, we get the opportunity to see God at work. We get to see blessings and chaos. We see the true power of the church and the reclamation of the world from the evil one. We see the true nature of grace. And we get to see the kingdom unfold together. So as we wrap up this morning, we need to take a second to remind ourselves what is real and what is true and what is repeated time and time again in the word. Moses was told to speak to the masses without skill or confidence, but God gave him miracles to work and a brother to walk with, right? Joseph was tossed into a pit. He was sold as a slave and he was then tossed into a jail to rot, but God worked through him to save an entire region of the world. Peter had his feet in his mouth more than he had him on the ground. Okay? But God used him as a mouthpiece, as the foundation of his church. You may be fighting, you may be in pain, you may be struggling with addictions or strongholds, you may be leaving a wake of devastation and destruction, but God. He says, no, 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 no. You don't have to do this alone. God says, you have me. He says, you have my church. The battles are real. The consequences are real. But high crest, the church is real. And what I went through as I heal and I'm continuing to go through, it was real. The choices I made, the reactions I had to my situation, they all had consequences and they were real. And my community who fought alongside me, who fought for me, even when I didn't want to. They're real too. The struggle between flesh and spirit is the battle that you and I all have. But notice how I didn't say anything about a war. The war's been won. It's won. 
Church, the war has been won by the death and the resurrection of Jesus. We had distance from God in our sin and in our flesh, but Jesus' death on the cross was payment for our transgressions. He bridged that gap between us and God, and now, in Jesus, we can freely come to the Father. For those of you who don't have a relationship with the one who claimed victory for us, for those of you who don't have a relationship with the one who won the war, then I will encourage you to put your trust in him today by doing something we call stepping over the line of faith. So I'm going to pray right now. No special words, no special order of words, just a prayer of thanksgiving. And if you feel the spirit in your heart, just walk with him, Jesus. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are you, that you are good and loving, that you love and give grace on a level that we do not understand. God, I pray that we would continually seek after you, that we'd continually speak at, seek after your spirit, that we'd seek to find you in all the places of our life. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.